going to ask you to please turn with me in your Bibles, if you have your Bible this morning, to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 as we continue our sermon series through this short book. I don't know how long we've been in Malachi. It doesn't seem too long. Has it been that long? Just so you know, Malachi, and then Lord willing, we are going to go into Romans, and we'll probably be there for a little while. Yes, it's amazing. So uh, Malachi chapter 3, and this, this is one of the more familiar passages in Malachi, even if you're not that familiar with the Old Testament. Uh, this is kind of a, a go-to passage for... Um, to, to try and encourage people to, to give faithfully. And it's not bad in that way, especially if your church is struggling. You know, you go here and talk about giving a tithe and God promising to pour out blessings. It's also in a very important text theologically because it regards the immutability or speaks to the unchanging nature of God. But you know what? There is so much more to this passage. There's so much depth here. It is Deeply, deeply theological, yes, deeply relational as well, because it does speak to his unchanging nature, his his immovable, unconditional love for those who truly belong to him. And that's what's so amazing about Malachi, man, because, yes, he comes down really, really hard on the on the people, on those who say professing believers, as well as those who do believe because they've they've drifted away from the Lord. He's saying, come back. So it's actually filled with grace in the midst of rebuke. That's kind of the, the, the whole nature of this, of this letter. And, and it speaks to his love for us in spite of our often rebellious ways. So it's kind of his grace set against our sin. And so he calls us back to himself in obedience, faithfulness, and trust in those typical areas where we go astray. You know, when we're lazy in our worship and we're just kind of going through the motions. Um, and in, in the areas where, where, where the ministers are, are going off in their own way, in our own families, and not nurturing our marriages and our relationships in that way, when it comes to giving the tithe, those things that are so we, we so easily get bound up by to turn away from the Lord. So being reminded to turn back to him and trust in him. Let's read the passage as we um, go to God's word. So I'll read for him. Uh, Malachi 3, verse 6 through 12. Hear God's word. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes, and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will you rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. For I will, for if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke and devour. The, the devourer, for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. In your vine, in the field, will not fail to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be 
a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. We pray your blessing upon it, that you would be with us, Lord, again, that our hearts and minds would be engaged in your word, Lord, that you would teach us from your word, that you would bring conviction where we need to be convicted, encouragement, Lord, where we need to be encouraged, Lord God, that we would be, um, give, give us knowledge and understanding so that so the working out of our faith may be honorable, pleasing, and, and, and um, correct, Lord, unto you. Pray that you would be with me. Bring, help me to bring forth your precious word, Lord God, even as we sit together at the feet of our master and our teacher, even Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Praise God. All right. Look, I just want to talk about four, four big ideas, four major truths that are just brought out in this passage we're reading this morning. And, and it has to do... Um, with God's grace, even as we rebel against him. We love him so much because he saved us. We know that, and yet we struggle with the flesh, and far too often we find ourselves just giving in to the temptation of sin in so many different ways, and that, that's definitely the struggle and part of the Christian life, and yet we're constantly called to obedience, just like he's doing here. And there's like four major truths regarding God's grace even as we rebel, he is gracious. He is faithful even when we are not. He continues to love us. Amen. Praise God for that, right? That he continues to bear with us. And that's exactly what he begins with here um, in, in this section. The first thing we want to talk about and that you need to understand is that he assures us, no matter if we belong to him, if you love and trust in Jesus Christ, no matter how rebellious we can get, no matter how far we stray, he continues to love us. Amen and praise God. He's not going to let us go. And he assures us right away of his unchanging, unfailing, unconditional, redemptive love for his elect. Let me say that again if you're taking notes. The first point is that he assures us of his unchanging, unfailing, unconditional, redemptive love for his elect. Look at verse 6. He says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. Amen. Praise God. Right? We need to be ever so thankful for his unchanging nature. And that's what's, what's, what's going on here. He's not a, a God who's fickle. He's not a, a God who changes his mind. He's not going to go back on his word, on his promises. Amen. And praise God for that. He is a God who does not change. He is immutable in his character, in his will, in his covenant promises, in all of his attributes. He doesn't change. His wisdom, his power, his holiness, his glory, his goodness, his justice, his truth. Aren't you glad that our God does not change in that way? We know this from Scripture, Numbers 23 19. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or he has spoken. And will he not fulfill it? First Samuel fifteen twenty nine. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Second Timothy two thirteen. We could be here all morning. We could have a class on this doctrine of immutability. We're just going to look at this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Amen. Praise God. It's, it's as if the Lord is saying, because I don't change, because I don't change, that's the reason that you're not consumed. Otherwise, if I change my mind because of how you act and based on your actions, 
you would be consumed. You would, and you know that, right? That's why we praise God. That's why it's amazing grace of God because we don't deserve his love. We, we've earned his wrath. We deserve his justice, his just judgment on us. And we are so off, oftentimes, we just, we're just ungrateful and we're unfaithful and we're unloving and we are disobedient and we're just dirty at times, right? And he would be right to turn his back and to take away his love. But praise be to God that he says, I, the Lord, do not change. Amen. That's wonderful assurance for us. And that's amazing of his grace. His electing grace, his everlasting love remains. Listen, man, if you believe in Jesus Christ today, if you're trusting in him, it's because he decided to save you. Before you were born, God already loved you. When you received Christ, your name was already written on his hand. Your name was already in the book of life. That's his unchanging character, his immutability. So Ephesians chapter 1-4 says this, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, for the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Amen. His love reaches far to eternity past, when he saved us into eternity future. In Galatians, Paul says this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. So you think about the life of Paul. What was he? Was he loved before the foundations of the, before the foundation of the world? Was he chosen in Christ? Yeah. But he lived most of his life as an enemy of Christ. But he had, he can say before, you know, he's been set apart even from his mother's womb before he was converted. His love is eternal for us. That's what you need to understand according to his nature, according to his purpose and plan for us amen his love abides and that's why they're not consumed (laughs) they're not consumed because they're so good and they're you know wonderful little children always obeying god and you're always good no 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 they're not consumed because he's so gracious to us amen and that that motivates us to want to live for him more and more don't you want to live for christ don't you want to be more obedient just from what you heard right now yeah man we do because he loves us and that's an unfailing love even as we know our own hearts right but his love for us is grounded in his unchanging nature now listen we're going to be reprimanded by the lord that happens, absolutely. We talked about that last week. We're going to re- be rebuked by the Lord, and we're going to be refined by the Lord. But we will never be rejected by Him. He's never going to turn His back on us. He's never going to say, go away, I don't love you anymore, ever. We are His, and will continue to persevere. will never leave nor forsake us. Again, that should make you right away say, Lord, I love you so much. I want to be more obedient to you. So we see these people with their cold hearts, as we read through Malachi, just how cold they are. And that's reflected in their worship, you know, just bringing the lame, bringing the worst, just, okay, God, this is for you, not even thinking about bringing the best that they have. The ministers, they put up with faithless ministers. They listen to these guys who who are not abiding by the Lord, who are not shepherding them, but that's okay because they're very uh, loving and, and they're 
They're, they're very accepting of what the people do. And people like that when they're not challenged with their, in their sin, right? So they're allowing the ministers to go their own way. Their marriages aren't being cared for. We talked about the divorce, how easily they were leaving their spouses and their families and just how flippant they were. Today we're going to be talking about their giving. And we look at these people and say, Lord, where do you put up with them? They're so obstinate. They're so... They don't care about you. They're, they're doing what they want to do. And they're, they're not looking to you. How, how, how do you. Why would you put up with them? But it doesn't take very long, does it? If you start thinking about this and reflecting in your own heart, it doesn't take long to see just how lazy you could be when it comes to worshiping the Lord. You prepare your heart to come to worship? Do you bring your best to worship? Is it a hassle to get out of bed and come to church and, you know, just kind of listen and sit through, through, through the worship service? You know, we bring an offering. What kind of offering are you bringing? We're supposed to be a living sacrifice to Christ, bringing ourselves wholeheartedly to Him in every single way. Amen? Including our worship. Right? How thoughtless we could be, how weary you become with God at times how self-centered you can be when it comes to your relationship with God, how fickle you are with the Lord. See, we look at the people in Malachi and say, Lord, man, how do you put up with them? We should be looking at ourselves and say, Lord, how do you put up with us? It's by the grace of God. Amen? And that's a consolation. And that's why we praise him for his unfailing, electing, eternal love for you. He'll never leave or forsake us. That's why he says, I'm the Lord who doesn't change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you're not consumed. Oh, amen. That's how good you are and how undeserving we are. Then he goes on, just transitions beautifully. Following, flowing from that is that the love, the love of God calls us to return to him, to repent. He goes on in verse 7 and says, from the days of your father, you've turned aside from my statutes. You've not kept them. Then he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? So not only is his love sure and steady, he calls us to return to him and, or, or to repent. Come on back. Obviously, if he's calling them to come back, Obviously, they've gone away. They're, they're not where they should be. They're, they're somewhere that they shouldn't be. They're far away from him. And we've seen just how, how far they are, how they've turned aside into themselves, not keeping his statutes, not worrying about keeping his commandments, not worrying about, oh, God's, I'm good with God so I can live the way that I want. You know how many Christians say that, or professing Christians say that these days? That I'm okay with God and he loves me so I can live the life that I want? Yeah, 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 he's my savior, but, you know, I could, I could live and he's kind of cool with me, living in ways that are promiscuous and ways that are sinful, but that's all right because he loves me and knows my. No, we are called to walk in obedience to him. We need to love the things that he loves and hate the things that he hates. doesn't mean we're not going to sin, but we need to hate our sin. We need to repent of that sin and turn back to him, man. We're not just cool with it and okay with it. And, and have to, You can't have it both ways. You can't serve two masters. You will love one and not the other. We are called to keep his statutes, to walk in obedience, and not to, not to walk away from them. And we see how they're doing that again. Here's another example of how they're going away, drifting away from the Lord, and it's in their tithes and offerings. So look at verse 8. So the second point was he calls us to return, to repent to him. And then in verse 8 he says this, they say this, 
Will you rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and in your contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. So now, Lord. And again, when we get so... When we start rationalizing our sin, we don't really even see the depth of it. So they're saying, how are we, they, we've been talking about the questions they come back with and ask God, like, how are we doing this? How do you love us? How are we um, upsetting you in this way? How are we robbing you, God? We, we get so, uh, there's, there's such a self-delusion that, that we, we don't even see the depth of our sin at times. So they're, they're asking. And they're, they're not being very flippant. They're almost serious. Say, okay, how are we robbing you? We, we, bring our, we bring what we need to bring to you. We're, we're doing our duty, at least for the most part. From, from what? What, what? How are we doing this? Well, among other things, you're robbing God by not bringing your tithes and offerings to him. And it has consequences. Listen, man, we owe him everything. He is sovereign. He has ownership over your life. Do you understand that? Everything you have is a gift from him. It's your talents. You get, we get no credit whatsoever. The credit for the gifts, the talents, how smart, how successful we are, goes to him by the grace of God. Amen? In humility. In nothing apart from him. Right? He owns everything. Psalm 24.1, we sang it this morning, right? The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So even if you don't acknowledge him, you still will answer to him. That's why every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. <clears throat> he goes on in Job 45.41.11, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Understand? See, they're turning the table on, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you this, Lord. No, 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 it already belongs to me. You need to come with the right spirit. Psalm 50, 10 and 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world in its fullness are mine. That needs to be embedded in our hearts and our minds that he is sovereign God. That he's the source of all things. So when it comes to the tithes and offerings, you know what? They are required. Absolutely. He does, there's a requirement, but it's always a heart issue. Those tithes and those offerings that the people were bringing, they were for the work of the ministry. They were to support the, the, the Levites because they weren't given an inheritance. So they were, it was going to works of the ministry, to feasts and to celebrations, to help the poor and the needy. So that's what the, it was giving out of... Out of um, Dependence on the Lord, graciously and, and, and joyfully to, to the Lord. So, so if you want to please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy 14. And I'm going to read from verse uh, 22 and following. Because he talks about the tithes here. And I want you to get the spirit behind the tithe. Because it's not just, you know, kind of doing your duty and, and bringing your tithe before the Lord with hoping that, you know, he's going to bless you or putting obligation on the Lord. It's relational. There's so much more. And, and, and he says this. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, beginning of verse 22. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And, bef and before the Lord your God... In the place that God will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and of the firstborn of the herd of your flock. See, we're to enjoy it. There's grace there. It's amazing. 
um, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you so that you're not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to that place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep, wine, strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite. And there's the, the portion that goes to the ministry. Um, within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. And at the end of three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, and the fatherless, and the widow, and there's the ministry of mercy uh, within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work that your hands do. Do you see that spirit of the tithe and giving? It's not just a dutiful, here's what I'm meant to do, called to do, want to do, need to do, so God will, no, man, it's, it's out there. We get to do this. It's part of uh, um, acknowledgement of God's graciousness and his sovereignty. So the New Testament, if you want to please go to Second Corinthians Again, the spirit of, of just giving in, in this way. Because there's a little bit of duty to it, absolutely, but the duty shouldn't overshadow the privilege. Does that make sense? So in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians 8, and I want you to see the generosity of, of the church in Macedonia. There was a famine in Jerusalem. And Corinth was a nice big church, and they had a lot of resources, so Paul's kind of encouraging them by way of example, I guess, <laughs> to give. And he's pointing out to this church, in, um, the Macedonian church, where they weren't big churches. They were small churches. They, weren't, they didn't have too much. But what they had, they give. And here's that spirit. Here's that spirit of, of giving unto the Lord and acknowledging him as God. This is, this is instructive for us. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in relief of the saints. And this was we not expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Do you see that spirit of giving? Just they weren't. They were just there. Take it, and we're even give more than we have to help our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in trouble. That's the spirit of giving tithe. Then, then look at chapter nine. Just turn the page to chapter nine, if you need to. Um, beginning in verse six. The point is this: Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decides in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He's distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Um, he who supplies a seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. See, it's more spiritual even than, than physical. You will be enriched in every way 
to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Amen. Do you see the spirit of giving? That's it. We are to give. But generously, open-handedly, for sure, we're to give consistently. They took up the offering every week when they met weekly. They were to give joyfully, not, not just conditionally, not, certainly not conditionally, not just dutifully, but joyfully unto the Lord. Right? It's not merely a duty. But he says in Malachi, God says, you're robbing God. And listen to this. Please listen. Robbing God is not simply holding back on your giving. It's not just, um, it's not just not being generous, not being consistent, not being joyful in your giving. Those are outward manifestations of what's really going on in the heart. And this is important to get because when, what they were really doing, because he doesn't need anything from anybody, right? But what they were really doing were robbing him of the glory, of the honor, of the reverence that do his name, that, that we should honor him in that way. And, and when they're holding back like that, it's showing a, a lack of thanksgiving, man. It's a lack of, a lack of acknowledgement of our dependence on him. It, it shows our self-sufficiency at times. Okay, God, I'm going to give you this, but not, not I'm relying on myself. At times it shows our greed in a, in a way. It exposes us. That's the idea. It's, it's a lack of trusting in him. I'm not going to give this to him because I need this for me now. And what if this doesn't happen for me if I actually live up to my obligations or what I said I'm going to give, right? That's, that's robbing God. It's well, just holding back. The outward is just that. But it shows what's going on inside, man. And it shows that 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 lack of glory and honor and reverence and dependence on him. That's the big deal here. And it's not without consequences. He says, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. It has its repercussions. If you're holding back in your love for the Lord and your obedience to the Lord and you're giving unto the Lord, you can't rob God and expect to prosper, at least for long. And you will answer to him. He goes on, this is the third point. He calls us to integrity and obedience. Uh, verse 10a, look what he says. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. I just want to stop right there. He says, bring the full tithe. Bring the full tithe. In other words, you're not holding back. You're not holding on. It's not half measures when you give to the Lord. So when you decide what to give, or if it's at 10%, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, to give that, no matter what, is a matter of integrity unto the Lord. That's why he says, bring the full tithe in. Don't rip me off. Don't just bring a little bit. Saying, here, God, I'm going to give you a little bit, but I really need this for me. What are you saying? I'm not, I'm not living up to my word. And I'm not quite trusting you. See, whatever you settle on, you give. Just like Ananias and Sapphira in Acts. What did they do? They sold their property. They didn't give it. They held a little bit back kind of given the impression that they gave the whole thing. You're not going to get over on the Lord, man. You're going to get busted. So that's exactly what happened. And they were confronted. You know what happened to them. I'm not saying that's going to, but that's, that's the idea. That's that spirit. We're going to hold back, okay? Listen, when it comes to this, when it comes to the offerings, when it comes to the tithe, it does often push us out of our comfort zone because it's relatively easy to give out of our wealth. But the widow gave all that she had. 
not out of desperation, but in faith to the Lord. You know, we got bills. We know what's going on right now in the economy. We know what's happening. We see it. Right? Groceries. Oh, gas. Anybody? <laughs> oh. What you've determined to give to the Lord. What you've determined to give to the Lord's work. What are you going to do? Times are tough, man. I have to cut back on that giving right now because times are tough. And that's the, the, you had to wrestle with that. I'm not saying that to, to try to guilt you in any sense, in any way. It's between you and the Lord. But it's in those difficult times. It's in those rough times. It's in those times when, man, it's going to cost me to give sacrificially here, maybe over here. Am I trusting what the word God says, that he's going to bless, that he's going to take care? See? That's where your faith comes in. That's where it gets tough. That's where it gets a little dicey, doesn't it, for us? We're called to integrity. He says, bring the full tithe. It's a matter of integrity. It's a matter of obedience. And then number four, we're called to give graciously. Listen, he graciously invites us to trust him. That's a really good, I'm not, it's not even a spin. It's just what he says. It's just what it is. He says this in verse 10, bring to the full tithe to my storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Wow. Um, number four, he graciously invites us to trust in him. Put me to the test. Now, right away, what goes off in your mind? Put God to the test? Are we allowed to do that? Should we be doing that? Doesn't it say somewhere else, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test? You're a little confused? <laughs> Wait. Listen, and not when he's, it's not, he's not saying test me in a sinful way, which we're so prone to do. So when we test in a sinful way, you know what that's like. That looks like this. We say this to God. If you're truly God, God, then you will do this for me, and that'll you know, increase my trust in you. That's putting God to the test. I'll trust you, Lord, when you do this for me. That's putting God to the test in a sinful way. But this is in a trusting way. The Lord is saying, are you going to trust me? Are you really going to trust me? Are you willing to do that? When it hurts, when it's difficult, when it seems paradoxical, when it seems counterintuitive, are you going to trust me? Are you going to continue? And with the tithes and offerings specifically here, but it goes beyond tithes and offerings, doesn't it? it? It's every aspect. Are you going to trust me? And that's, it just reminds me of when our kids were little, young, and specifically of Lainey. Uh, yeah, she was, what, two or three years old? And we had her down at Memorial School, if you guys know, over in Bethel. And, and they had the playgrounds. Not these, like, wimpy playgrounds today, all the plastic little slides. No, no, no. This was the big slide, the metal slide with no sides, you know, just those scary slides we used to go down. When she was two or three, we put her up on the slide, and and she was holding on, and she was real scared. She didn't want to let go. And I'm saying, sweetheart, let go. Daddy, I'm going to catch you. I'm, you just come to me. That's, that's what he's talking about. You're going to trust me? And it's like, come on, just let go, honey. And I, Daddy's going to catch you. She was there. It seemed like five minutes. How long was it in real life? About five minutes, Lord <laughs> said. It's about five. So it was about five minutes. And I'm like, Lainey, I love you, sweetheart. Daddy's going to catch you. Let's go. 
You know, lady is, she lets go. She comes zooming down the slide and, uh, you know, and I, whoa, I missed her. And she went flying on the ground. I caught her, man. I wasn't going to let her fall. I caught her. That's what he's saying. You put me, you test me. And don't you see, see if I don't bless you. You test me. See if I don't, you trust me and see if I don't bless you. Even when it doesn't seem like you want to trust me. Even when it's counterintuitive. Even if it's going to put you in a jam seemingly. You trust me and be faithful. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to meet you. That's the hardest thing for us to do. And this isn't the health and wealth kind of garbage stuff. This isn't self-serving. Please understand that this isn't, it's not in a self-serving, making a bargain way with God. It's not that. You know, I'm not going to tithe with the full expectation of receiving a new car, a new home, or an inheritance. Be nice. That's oftentimes just a cover for greed. You know, I'm going to sow this so God will give me that. You're playing games. You're playing games with God. Right? Because you want something that you think is going to make you happy, that God's going to give to you. But it's not really about your relationship to the Lord and being faithful to him. That's the bottom line with that stuff. It's greed. It's still self-serving. You don't do it. We don't tithe necessarily to receive a blessing. But when you do it with the right motives, you will be blessed in that covenant context. Your needs will be met by the Lord Jesus Christ if you continue to trust in him. The Macedonians, again, they were poor, but they were eager. They even begged to give to the churches in trouble or to, to help with the famine. Listen, in our faithfulness, in our faithfulness, when we're serving the Lord, we do see, we do experience his blessing in all the circumstances. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He really does. I don't say that in a trite way. It's in a sovereign way. Might not necessarily be a big house, a new car, an inheritance. That'd be nice, and sometimes he does bless in that way. But when you trust him, and when you're faithful to your calling, and you're following Christ no matter what, no matter the cost, after you've counted the cost, you'll see how he has supplied your need. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're You're going to see how faithful he is. And even in unexpected ways, man, he just does that for all of us. I know you all have stories. You tell me, wow, God did this. And I, I was in this situation. And man, the Lord put this person in my life. And man, the Lord just, I, mean, I, I remember we were in seminary, man, just struggling, struggling along. We couldn't pay our bills. We couldn't pay our rent. One day, and we were just praying, and well, Lord, what are we going to do, man? We can't, you know. A woman who was at the seminary just came up to me and said, you know, Joey, the Lord has put you and Laura on my heart. Our church wants to help you. Wow. You know, okay. That's the blessing that the Lord brings. And he does that, again, not in these fantastical ways all the time like you see on TV with the faith people. It's, it's not like that. It's just in little ways, man. But it's always, right? He always does that when we look back in his providence. In God's providence, he made a way. In God's he supplied the need. He got us through, and it was difficult, but he was good. He'll provide a job or a position to help you. Place, he places you in, in the midst 
of a church and among Christians who really care for you. And they're going to take care of you as you're faithful to him in your time of need. He makes a way for us. That's what it means to be faithful. We might not just see it that very day or the next day or maybe even the next year, but he's faithful. And we don't stop giving. We don't stop believing. We don't stop trusting. We don't lose faith. We continue. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Amen? What are you teaching me, Lord, in the difficult times? What do I need to learn? How are you, how are you transforming me? How are you refining me? How am I being sanctified? Do you fear him? Do you love him? Are you faithful? He's calling these people back to faithfulness because he loves them. He's not going to let them go, so he's going to show them how much they need him. Amen? That's what he's going to do for us. He loves it. He's not going to let you go, but he's going to show you how much you need him. And sometimes it's through the trials and in our sin, and he calls us back to him. He promises and assures us of his unfailing love. Amen? He calls us to return to him, to repent, to trust in him. He calls us to integrity and faithfulness as his followers. He graciously invites us to trust in him at all times and completely. And as a Christian, if you're truly in Christ, if you're truly regenerated, if you're not merely professing faith, if you are truly in Christ, you do, you do have the ability to choose. You do, absolutely. You have the ability to choose to obey and trust Say, no, God, not today, maybe next week. Pasa pakari, pasa non pakari. As as regenerate believers in Christ, we have the ability to obey or not. What's holding you back from obeying Christ?